Now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz. I tell you every week, wherever you get a podcast at, and follow us on Twitter at gpgc podcast stay date with everything regarding the show video games alike and our dope giveaways i'm your host as always travis white aka travelist on most internet platforms joining me as always my co-pilot or my partner in crime mike peepack mike as always it's a big week for us it's game of the year talk we're gonna be talking all our games of the year but i still gotta ask you what's good what's going on and of course what have you been playing my friend um for me life has returned to a little bit of a more normal pace uh in recent days thankfully within the last week things have gotten a lot more normal besides the the pittsburgh steelers going to the super bowl um <laughs> outside of that uh you know for video game sake you know i'm still pretty focused on a goal that i had for this year as far as playing halo is concerned mm-hmm. i had a goal um as far as Placing in a tournament was concerned. I almost achieved it week one. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to place top 16 in, in a tournament. And while it was an online qualifier, um, that was my goal for 2022 to hit top 16 mm-hmm. in one of these Halo tournaments. Um, and unfortunately, you know, week one was the closest I've come so far. But because that's been one of my goals for, for like 2021 and 2022, um, you know, that's pretty much not consumed my life, but as far as gaming's concerned that's what i've been up to so i've just been playing a lot of halo infinite um you know mixing in valheim as a palate cleanser here and there because if you've ever competed at something at a super high level whether you're an athlete or if you are into esports or whatever you know that after a long day or a couple of days in a row of playing a singular game that while you do enjoy and potentially you know are starting or have fallen in love with or just have loved for a long time in my case with halo Mm -hmm. you know there's times where you can't just play that game for eight seven six five how many hours you have as a competitor you're putting in six seven hours most likely a day and that's been my grind since you know high school I, i took a little bit of a break uh after the first event uh or after after like columbus of 2011 and halo reach which was like our graduation weekend i actually Drove home from Columbus on Sunday. My brother and Sarah, uh, who is now my sister-in-law, but at time his girlfriend, came out and and watched me play for a bit and hung out in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Checked out uh, some different stuff in Columbus, but but checked out the MLG tournament. And then, you know, the main reason why my brother offered to come out was, uh, you know, him and Sarah just wanted to go on a little weekend trip, and and Columbus was close, but 
Uh, it was their job to get me home for graduation. My mom wanted to see me walk, unless I was like gonna win the tournament, which wasn't gonna happen because they don't understand that there was, you know, a couple of guys. Oh, you know, no big deal by the name of like uh, Ogre Two and Roy and Lunchbox and Pistola were on a team, so uh, the chances of me winning the tournament were virtually zero. But um, my my brother's main reason for being there was to, uh, you know, make sure I I made it home for graduation, and I did so. <laughs> But during high school, my regiment was go to school, go to golf or baseball practice. And then I went home and played Halo until 1 or one thirty a.m. And then I showed up to school. And if you're asking, well, when was the time for you to study or do homework? Uh, I was born and gifted with a brain, um, not like a genius brain or anything. Unfortunately, that'd be nice. But I was born with a good enough brain that I, you know, absorb information, especially in a high school level. Even in college, I didn't really study at a at a very good rate um, when my ADD isn't killing me or ADHD isn't killing me. But I didn't study in high school. I didn't do very much homework unless it was like necessary for me to to pass. And mm-hmm. I, I passed high school with like a 3.1 GPA. And like, yeah, I, I look back at it as a 28 year old and wish that maybe when I was 15 and 16, I spent a little bit more time studying and less time playing Halo. But you can't go backwards. You can only go forwards. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a player who's spent a lot of time, you know, perfecting his craft because you can spend a lifetime doing that. Um, you know, I can't, I can't just sit there and play Halo for 12 hours a day, every day, back to back to back to back. You have to be able to mix some things in. And unfortunately, uh, you know, the Witcher is something that I am like full hard on for, Mm -hmm. but I'm eyeing the player break of split one, which is probably going to be sometime in June. The entire month of June will probably be the player break, which mm-hmm. means no halo tournaments at all, really. Mm-hmm. So that might be when I really delve into that. But Valheim has been that safety valve for us still. Have we got, have we died off on it? Sure. I think me and Adam died off on it a little bit more than you and in Kyle or less than you and Kyle. Um, you, you know, you have, a lot of commitments, especially right now is like your busiest time of year, unfortunately for you, mm-hmm. uh, with, with work. And, um, obviously you have a significant other who is now your wife to appease and a dog to appease where me and Adam only have the significant others to appease right now. Mm-hmm. So me and him, were definitely spending a little bit more time playing Valheim than you guys. And of course, Kyle did his thing where he was into it. And then he just kind of goes, goes and expects us to just wait. So right. yeah. me and Adam kind of hit a wall where we can only farm, you know, trolls and, and iron and tin and like, or not iron, I'm sorry, uh, bronze and, well, uh, whatever, copper and tin mm-hmm. make bronze. But we can only farm that stuff for so long. And, right. uh, and, and that, like, I'm I'm right there with you where, like, I, uh, shocker, Valheim just may be on my game of the year list um, mm-hmm. from what we've been doing with it. But um, my biggest, like, issue with Valheim is, like, it would be one of those games where I would... I would gladly hop in and do things at a moment, like totally whenever, but it is one of those things where, okay, Adam, Adam's the one who runs the server. He's the one who's got to make sure it's up and running. Um, You know, can he, even if he's, you know, doing work stuff, can he throw it on the background and not doing anything, but like, let me hop on and do it. If it was much more, you know, Hey, these are dedicated servers. You could just hop in anytime, anywhere you have, or even if it was one of those things like, in fallout 76 where you could pay for a private world and it's you know however much it is five bucks a month or whatever like i would fork that over to be able to say hey whenever you guys can get on 
just hop on. Like if we could all get on at one time, that's great. If not, cool. I know I could still hop on and, you know, farm some stuff or, you know, make sure do some organizing for us so we don't have to later or, you know, be the the pack mule to drag some stuff back from our checkpoints so we can't go through portals on just things like that, where I wish it was much more like in great. We can't ask for a lot. It's a small team working on this. But if there was more money involved with this project, that's one of those things where, hey, if they asked, hey, for five dollars a month or ten dollars a month, whatever, while we're into it, like, yeah, I'll pay for it. Like, I would rather I want that stuff because that's a game I could see myself being like, yeah, I have an hour between, you know, when I get home from work and Molly's working out until we hang out and, you know, I'll be able to hop on later at night to play for three or four hours or whatever. But Say I want to just play something for a little bit, but I don't want to invest a ton. I, cool, I can jump in and farm some stuff or do whatever. I just wish we were able to do that because it would just be, that game would take over my life. <laughs> like, it would just be one of those games that like, that would be my go-to like, okay, cool, I have an hour, I'm going to pop in and just do these things. Not like a Witcher, like you're saying, where that game consumes my life. When I start a playthrough with that, like, that's the game I play. I don't play anything else, I dump... 50 hours alone into the main storyline and then, you know, however many other hours into all the side quests and whatnot. Like, it would be a perfect pop in and out game, but it also is a perfect, hey, let's grind for four or five hours at least to, you know, build up and kind of progress throughout the world kind of thing. But not to interrupt you, but I totally agree where it's, it's a game that when you hit a wall, you hit a wall because of what's going on because it requires everyone to be on at one time. Like it really mm -hmm. does. And that's that's the only downfall. And you can only game. do so much with like one player. So like last right. or the other night when we were playing, like when we were facing fuelings that are from the uh that are from the uh the planes, mm -hmm. like it's a lot harder, you know, to kill the fuelings with one or even two people. But when there was three of us and I can stagger them with my at gear spin attack and you guys can just like gank him after he's stunned and do a ton of crit damage like that's that's ideal obviously right mm -hmm. but when it's just me and adam if we're out there mixing it up like or even if it's just one person you can get overwhelmed by the enemies oh and my god yeah i was talking to you guys about the difficulty of the game in general and uh i'll save it for if you're going to include it uh spoiler alert in your game of the year edition uh, maybe we can both just talk about it at the same time because I think it might make it make its way onto mine too. Right. Wink, wink. But uh, I think they did a, a perfect job with the with the difficulty, um, like basically how you progress through the game. And we'll talk about that later. But yeah, it's certainly a lot easier when there's three of us. And even better yet, when Kyle will be there to be four of us, even if he's just like kind of cannon fodder, mm -hmm. it'll be per it'll be a lot easier for us. Yeah. Right. No, definitely. Uh, yeah. So I'll save. I'll kind of table that conversation because shocker like i said i feel like this is a game that's going to be on both our lists so um we'll save it for that but uh in on my end just in general kind of cleaning up some stuff uh for some reason i wanted to hop in and kind of dick around more or less like for lack of a better fucking word uh or phrase like dick around in skyrim and just kind of poke my head into there um so I've been kind of playing that on and off a little bit. I'm still on Halo, still playing, you know, a decent chunk. But even though I did get pissed off one day, pulled a Dr. Disrespect, uninstalled the game, and then like five hours later, reinstalled it. And <laughs> started already <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm a weak man. I understand my vices, you know, so. Um, but then also, too, on top of that, 
Uh, Molly and I have been going back and playing through The Walking Dead, um, mm -hmm. the Telltale series. Uh, we are on season two now. Uh, season one, just as good as ever. That's hands down one of my favorite narrative experiences. Um, there was a tweet that went around that was like, what's one of those games that makes you as the credits are rolling, you're like, you're just sitting there and like soaking it in and you're like, holy fuck, like one of those moments narratively. And I always like instantly there's three games that come to mind. Uh, Uncharted 4, which I know we're not going to get into, um, but uh, Life is Strange and then The Walking Dead season one, where that the narrative of that, the character depth, the way that you interact with characters, just everything that works, works so well in that game um, that I know that people have been like, oh, it kind of falls off after season two and even season two isn't that it isn't like it feel a lot of people say they've been chasing the dragon since season one. But to me, that's not the case necessarily. I, I like I've thoroughly enjoyed the whole narrative of Telltale's Walking Dead, but I do agree in the sense of nothing will top from a narrative perspective with that. And the Wolf Among Us, I would put on that list, too. Um, mm -hmm. But from that era um, and really kind of dawning, like it doesn't it doesn't go over. It doesn't go past me every time that I'm like, this is a game that put adventure games back on the map. The mm -hmm. I don't want to say visual novel, but like point and click adventures, quote unquote, putting those style of experiences back on the map, non-combative, yada, yada, like. It, you were just experiencing a story and crafting it to your own ability. Um, so we've been going back through and playing playing that um, like you would watch a TV show kind of thing, like just, you know, an episode night kind of thing. So um, I'm sure we'll probably get through that again relatively quick. But yeah, and then just kind of dipping in and out of a bunch of things like dipped into Fallout 4 again for some reason. I've uh, been playing Hades too, kind of in and out uh, on PC. Uh, even kind of dipped into Mass Effect Legendary Edition, uh, but mostly it's been Valheim and Halo still. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it on my end. From ju I'm just looking at like my Steam library and even my Xbox profile, just seeing like what all have the fuck I played. <laughs> so Halo Infinite to you is like uh, that late night McDonald's run or that late night sheets where you know tomorrow it's going to tear you up inside. Right. And you're going to be sick as a dog. But like every time you're drunk, you're like, hell yeah, I need some food in me. And those are the only two options. Well, right now, Halo is that experience that is like, hey, I have an hour. I'm going to play a couple of games like or it it, I, it it has that duality of, hey, I'm going to just hop in and play a couple games or hey, I'm going to spend my Saturday just fucking grinding like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And like Halo's always been that to me. But as much it's such a love hate relationship because and, and I'll get into it in uh, some of our discussions, I'm sure. But it, it it's it's just one of those games that it's it's I'm trying to think of what the phrase is, but it's literally like a story in two parts where I'll go from one moment experiencing the highest of highs being like, fuck, when this game hits, the movement, the gunplay, everything feels so fucking crisp and good to then the game after playing on a 90 ping server and having, you know, a couple of traffic cones as teammates. Like, and then you look after post game. Oh, let's see what everyone's ranked. And it's I'm playing two or three Onyx players and a high diamond and me who's mid diamond and three uh, platinums. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> that really worked. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So, but 
like I said, I'll get into it and we'll talk about it. But I guess now with that being said, Mike, we can just kind of hop into our game of the year discussion. Um, we seem to always kind of I don't want to say we switch it up every year. Um, this is what? third year in a row that we're doing yeah it would be our third year of game of the year talk um but what we kind of settled on that i think works really well for our style of podcast and just kind of us as players in general um and we kind of did it last year too where i want to focus on more so the games that we just enjoyed playing throughout the year like the bet our best games of the year that we enjoyed and it couldn't it could be yes like i play more of a broad spectrum than mike i would say but mike's also much more deeper into a handful of games he knows the ins and outs of those games on a much more critical level i would feel where thank you i where me i play um adam and i are very similar like that's where our venn diagram crosses that we just fucking try a bunch of shit like we just well okay yeah i want to give this a go oh yeah i want to give this a go um And I only may spend 20 hours in a game where you may spend 60 hours in a game because you've really kind of like almost like Faz, like Phasmophobia, fucking excellent game. I love jumping into that where we'll get on a run with it. And I'll be like, okay, cool. I'll hop into that again at some point because I like the game where you will continue on with it because it kind of got the bug on you and you focus in on that game for a while. Um, Yeah, I go through like the uh, uh, addictive (laughs) <laughs> I, I go through addictive spells where it's like uh, if i'm into a game i'm into a game you know what i mean oh i trust me i i'm picking up what you're putting down i'm right there with you it, it happens to me as well um but more so for the fact of i think our conversation works well on just in general summing up our year in gaming um from a sense of granted yes we still want to talk about hey what are our best games of the year and primarily from this year but at the same time too even us talking before, like I almost put destiny Two on my list this year because I had a ton of fun with the content this year, but that game is also, you know, almost five years old. So, you know, stuff like that, it's, it's going to be broad and it's going to be, it's going to be, I shouldn't say it, it's going to be focused on the year that was 2021 in the games that we played during there, specifically the ones that came out. But at the same time too, there's a lot of living, breathing games that, are being updated today that came out a few years ago. Like it's the Fortnite argument that people always, you know, kind of gripe about, Oh, okay. Well, Fortnite's going to win best ongoing game at the game awards for like the 16th year in a row now, because it keeps getting content updates and yada, yada, like people still play it. So it's kind of one of those things, but mostly from, I guess I should say from a single player aspect and things like that, a lot of those games obviously are going to be focused from this year. So Mike, why don't you kick it off if you have any, the way I looked at it, because I may have a little bit, I have, I have five top games from this year that I want to talk about, obviously, with one of them being truly my game of the year. Um, but I do have a couple of on, honorable mentions, too, that I want to talk about. So do you have anything like that that you kind of want to, hey, maybe is not your top games of the year, but something you do want to give a shout out to that you really enjoyed, I guess? Um, is this it? it- I'm sorry. Was the question just in general, like games that only were released this year or games in general? Well, games in general that we enjoyed this year, obviously, if it's more like I would like to focus, if it's single player experience or something like that, that's came out this year, that obviously, I think, takes precedence in the conversation. But at the same time, there are tons of games that we played this year that, you know, multiplayer games that didn't come out this year 
that are mm -hmm. still being updated, still being given new content that are still very much alive and well that I'm still getting just as much enjoyment out of. And especially too, if they're getting new content, like I feel like that should be on the table to be recognized. If that makes any okay. sense. I'm going to throw out a few games that I'm just going to mention in passing mm -hmm. um, that I don't really need to delve much further into. Um, one of them being Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition. Uh, the team over there um, did a fantastic job at providing content updates, um, what seemed like monthly or every two months, and, you know, did a very good job with that. So, um, you know, that was... That was awesome uh, to see how much content they released every month over there. Uh, another game that comes to mind, um, just in, in passing, is Back for Blood. I know, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about the game in general, and, and you know, there's some content that's a little bit rough or, or missing there, but I would like mm -hmm. to say that I, I did enjoy that. Uh, Bigfoot, of course, you know, we spent some good time playing that. And then uh, as far as, like, Another game that kind of I would wouldn't consider or I wouldn't say released this year so much, but um, I would say at least had a you know a huge year uh, would be the Splitgate team uh, the the game the Splitgate game along with the team over there that developed the game you know they kind of stepped in when people were kind of really hankering for Halo Infinite mm -hmm. and they kind of re-released the game. Uh, and people really did seem to take a, a liking to that, including myself. So um, those are just my kind of in passing, just throwing those few games out there. And then the rest of the games, you know, I would like to, you know, talk about a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, Back for Blood uh, on my honorable mentions as well. Um, like you said, I think you nailed the pretty much nailed the head on that one that. It it scratches that itch that we've been wanting for hey, where the fuck is Left for Dead? You know, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Where, you know, that's always I'm kind of the conversation I, about that. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm still kind of feeling that way, by the way, but... Oh, no, uh, 100%. 100%. You know, I, and that's it's why... Basically I, like, it's basically like giving... Like, if I say, hey, I need ketchup for these french fries, which, by the way, if french fries are super dope or good, mm -hmm. they probably don't need ketchup. Sometimes right. ketchup's an enhancement. Sometimes ketchup is a drowning out feature thing. Mm -hmm. But... um. If I say where's the ketchup because the fries are dog shit and they really need ketchup and you hand me hunts mm -hmm. like that's kind of back for blood. Like mm -hmm. Heinz ketchup is 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 uh, left for dead and back for blood is Hunt's ketchup, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, that's that's the way I see it anyway. Oh, I mean, I don't for the most part. There's been one time that Molly brought home something that wasn't Heinz ketchup and I threw it away. Like, like I gave, I told her, I was like, I'll give you the five bucks or whatever this was. We're not, this isn't happening. Yeah, like, this isn't, like I, it, I might be, I could be all kinds of levels of poor, uh -huh. but I'm not like I'm eating Heinz ketchup. There's two things that I'm like with that one being Heinz ketchup and the other one being Jif peanut butter. Personally, me too. Me yeah. too. And by the way, the one time uh, my significant other brought home uh single ply TP and I literally Ooh, handed her what? like cash. I handed her cash. I'm like, I don't care how poor like you you would think we are. Uh, you know, go ahead and and why don't you get get us a little bit of a double ply because that shit ain't happening, by the way. And uh, you know, we got double ply and, and the rest has been all good. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Um, with the Jif peanut butter, the ketchup, and again, uh, 
single ply TP just ain't it, Chief. That's like corporate levels of you know like that's like the, the corporate bathroom cost cutting yeah like yeah <laughs> like i and that's what i told i've told my significant other too that uh, like she bought uh like she loves aldi's which uh, shout out to aldi's they're fucking great yeah. um mm-hmm. but she brought home non she brought home whatever their brand version of peanut butter was and i was like Okay, like, listen, that's fine if we're giving it to the dog, but, you know, like, and that's no, you know, stabbed at Abby because she just loves peanut butter no matter what. She doesn't give a fuck what it is. But me, even then, I'm like, I wouldn't feed this to our dog. Like, Jif peanut butter is the only answer. Also, on top of that, man, I can't believe single ply TP. Yeah, that's that's a rough one, man. That was a hard pill to swallow when I when my finger, you know, almost. Oh, dude, where you almost give yourself almost. a fucking yeah, like yeah, I'm almost checking exam. my colon. Yeah, like, I'm almost giving myself a prostate massage. Yeah, no, <laughs> shit ain't happening, bro. Anyways, video games. <laughs> How did this work? It went back for blood. Oh yeah, so basically, we were saying that with back for blood, though, like. It mostly feels like, and this isn't a knock at Turtle Rock because it wasn't nefarious in the same manner, but it almost felt at times that I was playing a mobile game version of Left 4 Dead. Um, yeah. And I think, and I say that more so in the card collecting aspect. It You usually typically see that with a lot of free-to-play games where you're still doing the main act that this you know, the game's originally centered around whether it's a spinoff game from an established IP or whatever, or, you know, a genre of a game where you're still doing like, hey, this is a first person shooter, but there's also this element to it. Uh, you know, they, there's cards centered around here that you have to build a deck to, and eventually more so with mobile games. Hey, you could buy cards, you could buy packs of cards or buy gems to do whatever. Like it really gave me that feel with it, because at least with games like you know, Hearthstone, even, I mean, you and I were both kind of into uh, Elder Scrolls Legends for a while that like games like that, like I'm very much open into the fact of, hey, this is what this game is. And I'm investing in that the meta and the ecosystem that that game has right now of being a card game where when I'm playing Left for Left for Dead, it's cool that you're saying, hey, we want to throw in these modifiers and different things like that, that you could have a unique playing experience every time you come out it just doesn't come off as that. I think it gives, it's very much like, even when we're playing, and I know that that is an applicable thing that we need to be focusing on whenever we're doing our campaign runs, I'm still very much in the fact of like, okay, I'm just clicking on something, or I'm finding the simplest one and just using, I I, I just want to play the game. Like, I want to, I, I think there's too much emphasis on the card game that mm-hmm. holds it back when there could have been much more TLC put into the actual product in terms of the gameplay being what we were all hoping for, this return of a Left for Dead shooter. But, you know, and not that that game is bad necessarily. I'm still putting it as my honorable mentions. I've had fun with it. We still have fun with it from time to time. But we'll say that like the card game, like, I don't know. Like, I remember the way the game played. Like, I'm I'm a little weird with, like, with some of the movement and stuff like that of games where, like, I'll remember where, how games play, how games feel, how it mm. feels to aim, how it feels to shoot, the reload speed. Like, those kind of things are something that I kind of ingrain in my muscle memory, right? And at times, like, I remember during the beta, the way Back for Blood felt with all the cards that were included. And then... 
whenever the game re like came out on fresh release and uh came out on full release like i remember the first playthrough being like wow my character's really slow mm-hmm. i don't have a lot of of uh health i don't reload very fast i don't aim very fast yada 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 so i will say that some of the cards are certainly nice quality of life things that are are kind of cool i suppose but i will say in general i agree that some of them are just super like super like they're just a little bit over uh over complicated for no reason in a game that like at at its core is simply I'm going to go and shoot a bunch of zombies with my friends and survive. Like that's what that game is supposed to be. And sometimes I feel like, you know, they might've gotten a little bit more into how, how much gameplay can we include in this little zombie shooting game type thing? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And, and I'm right there with you on that, where it just feels like instead of, instead of focusing on the core of this game, there were too much, there's too much focus on, well, we still have to make it our own. It can't be just straight up left for dead because obviously Valve still owns the IP for that and yada yada. I'm sure they can't just literally make a copy and paste version of left for dead. We got to make our own spin right. on it. But at the same time too, people have made horde based zombie shooting video games for quite a long time. So <laughs> it's nothing necessarily super new, but Turtle Rock did still, I think do a good job, you know, good job, making this game in terms of the base gameplay and having something that is somewhat of an updated version of Left 4 Dead until hopefully one day Valve understands that, oh shit, that's right. We can make money off of both selling games and making games still. Wow. Oh my God. So hopefully one day we do get a Left 4 Dead 3. But um, the other honorable mention I did want to give out though, uh, before we go into our top list, Deathloop. And... I'll be quite honest. I'm shocked I put this on my honorable mention. Um, and that's not any that's not any shot at Deathloop because I think Deathloop is a fucking fantastic game. Uh, Arcane is fucking brilliant, uh, especially when it comes to making a truly kind of... How do I want to put this? They're great in making uniquely felt, lived-in worlds that feel so at home to you as the player, when you walk into it, you're not feeling necessarily, oh, this is very, like, it's hard to explain where, when I step into a world that is made by Arcane, such as Dishonored or Prey, when I go into those worlds that they are they are giving me or their version of the world, it feels very much just completely fully realized and perfectly, like, it. nothing feels out of place. I step into that world, it's immersive, it's very much so not jarring when you go into, because some games that you do hop into are very nonsensical, which is sometimes a good thing or a bad thing in terms of their environments, and I mean that from a sense of environment being, you know, items in the world, uh, rooms that you walk into, the actual outdoor environments that you interact with. Um, I just think I think Arcane just is a fucking masterclass at that. Just like I think, like, nobody touches Ninja Theory right now going into, uh, going into, uh, fucking, uh, Hellblade 2. Like, nobody touches them in terms of immersion right now. Um, so 
I just want to give a quick shout out to Arcane because I think Arcane and Deathloop because I think Deathloop is a fucking fantastic game. Um, it didn't hit the highs as much as I thought it would. Um, and I think a lot of people were like that too whenever they saw IGN give it a 10 um, mm-hmm. heading into it. Like, oh shit, wow, you know. But, and not that anybody was thinking, man, this is going to be a, you know, everyone was very much high on this game heading into it. But I think a lot of people too were burnt out for the fact of, we saw an asinine amount of marketing on this game, um, especially being focused on being, hey, this is a Sony exclusive, you know, for right now, even though it's owned by Microsoft. And <laughs> because of the whole, you know, the lateness of the deal and whatnot, and Microsoft wanting to honor those previous licensing or uh, uh, exclusivity deals, I'm sorry, uh, on that. So, but I played it on PC. So I really, really did enjoy my time with Deathloop. Um, I think at times it stumbles a little bit in terms of what it wants you to do at times, um, in terms of how you want to go about doing things. It tries to be, I think it tries to make itself look like a roguelite in a sense where it's not really. And I think it comes off with that a little bit, like tonally it gets a little confusing at times. Um, but at the same time too, the gunplay feels great. Um, the dialogue that you hear from some of the people that, you know, you run into the enemies that you run into is fantastic. Uh, just the writing is just, like I said, nobody touches arcane, both studios at arcane really when it comes to their world building and their immersiveness in terms of like just the people and the things you'll find around, like all the worlds that they, and a lot of people had an issue with, you know, Dishonored's always viewed as a cult classic in the sense of which I understand nobody's really into like whale punk, like, you know, a steampunk atmosphere revolving around whale oil. Like that doesn't, <laughs> but everything about dishonored of assassinations and like using these powers to go around and kill people in the most like interesting ways and whatnot, like being a, what feels like a 17th century hitman game. Like that's fucking dope, you know? So they're really like, I think this definitely talks to people a lot more than Dishonored did. So I'm really excited for the future of Arcane because I think Arcane is one of those diamond in the roughs when it comes that Microsoft picked up with the Bethesda deal. Um, I think they have the ability to be looked at like an insomniac uh, at Sony. So I'm really, really excited for the future with Arcane. But yes, so my second uh, honorable mention I wanted to give a shout out to was Deathloop. But so Mike, why don't you tell people what the first game you want to talk about is for your top games of the year? Sure. I would say for me personally, now again, <clears throat> I want to kind of start this off by saying like, if me and Travis are talking about what our top games of the year are, you have to understand that it's, it's mostly from a personal po- standpoint. Mm-hmm. So like how we feel individually about the game, not mm-hmm. how it was critically acclaimed, not how it was widely accepted, Simply, how do we feel individually about the game? So mm-hmm. now that I've gotten that out of the way, um, you know, the first game I really want to talk about and kind of dive into and just kind of take a little bit of a deeper dive at is, uh, you know, a game that might that might be on your list. So maybe if you want to kind of mm-hmm. bounce off of it, uh, that's fine, too. It might be on a lot of people's lists, but it's certainly, you know, one of the higher ones on my list. And that's going to be uh, Resident Evil Village. Hell yes. Um, Number three I, on my game of the year. I, I don't have 
mine listed. No, that's that's totally like, fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. I mostly have like I do have mine listed, but really two through five are much more really kind of set them in any order. There is a number one that I have that I'm like, this was the best game of the best game I played this year as a full package. But mm-hmm. anyways, though, yes, Resident Evil is number three on my list, but in my top five games of the year. Yeah. So for me, when I look at games, uh, Travis is certainly a guy who plays a lot more video games than I do. Um, like as a variety casual player, you know, you're a bit more of a variety gamer, so you mm. do get your hands on some more stuff than I do. But, you know, I saw Resident Evil Village as a great hearkening back to what really worked for Resident Evil 4. I saw it as a nice hearkening back to what really worked in Resident Evil 7. Uh, yeah, Resident Evil... Uh, si- uh, good lord. Resident Evil 7, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the horror aspect of using the first person of Resident Evil 7 combined with the atmosphere and what what was very attractive about Resident Evil 4. So with that being said, um, you know, Resident Evil Village was a pretty easy pick to go on my list. Now, do I wish that there were certain parts of the game that are a little bit longer? Absolutely. I think everyone kind of feels that way. Um, you know, Ca- Castle Dimitrescu was one of the more enjoyable parts of the game. Not saying it was the best part or other parts weren't enjoyable, like Resident Evil 7 with the boat, but it was certainly mm-hmm. one of the one of the highlights of the game without a doubt. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, with that being said, uh, the whole game in itself, I thought was a, was a, you know, very strong entry in the Resident Evil franchise. And I think it's one that when looked back upon in 20 years, it'll be looped in with Resident Evil 2 remastered, Resident Evil 7, Resident Evil 4. It'll be one of those ones that people point out and say, yeah, this is what I liked so much about Resident Evil. Um, I loved the gunplay. I thought shooting was really fun. I thought they did a very good job at balancing skill with, um, you know, difficulty. Like I know in, in fallout for instance, and even like resident or with, with red dead redemption, if you're a very skilled player at firing your weapons, you can kind of brute force your way through some of the more difficult parts of the game. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a, a very good part of resident evil eight. I thought some of the difficulty in playing through, I didn't play Valley of or village of shadows yet or whatever the hardest difficulty is, Mm -hmm. but I did play the, uh, the hardest available to you at first playthrough. And I thought that it was a very good, some of the enemies were bullet sponges and a little frustrating, but they didn't just base their difficulty off of that. They also limited the resources that were available to you, which I think is a decent way at creating uh, difficulty. If you will, Mm -hmm. I thought, um, having to choose when you had certain ingredients, certain ingredients were more plentiful than others. And I thought it was a very good way to add a little bit of strategy to resident evil, which it always kind of had been, you know, am I going to mix this gunpowder to make pistol ammo or do I need shotgun, shotgun ammo, or do I need this? Do I need that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I thought that being one of the premises of adding difficulty was very, was a, was a very smart move because it didn't just make the game hard to be, to be hard, which, you know, in Halo Infinite's case, that's always been a little bit of an issue with me on legendary difficulty is the enemies just shoot at you. Uh, they're not only are they very strong and tanky, but then they just shoot at only the player, which right. is one of the ways that they raise the difficulty, which is kind of a cop out to me. But um, for Resident Evil 8, I thought the environment and the setting the stage was s- super well done. I thought the acting 
was well done. Um, maybe not the uh, main protagonist. Uh, his voice acting could be a little bit cheap and cheesy at times, but Chris Redfield's sections mm-hmm. and Chris Redfield's parts, all very well done. I was super impressed oh, with that. Dude. Whenever it went to Chris Redfield, I visibly... I remember getting visibly a huge just smile on my face where I was like, oh, fuck. Like one of those moments where I'm like, oh, shit, they're actually going to let you fucking do this. And all right. And like, it was it was super pimp. Like, yeah, basically going in with a shock and awe of having the submachine gun that was silent. Yeah. And being able because to call realistically, granted, you have much more, in my opinion, you the player has much more power within like this one is much more. Uh, I felt Resident Evil Village was trying to in a lot of ways, mirror Resident Evil 4, um, the feeling of this being a survival horror game, but a much more action-oriented survival horror game, but working in the best way possible. Um, where, But at the same time, too, when you're looking at it, yes, compared to, in my opinion, 7, you're a lot more powerful. You're still very much like... Ethan Winters isn't going to be... isn't truly decked out with the most powerful equipment in the world in this game so this was much this was very much a hey no we're gonna actually let you kind of have your cake and eat it too let's let's put the player in a powerful position give them a weapon that's gonna fucking rip through some people like it fucking was great that dichotomy of going from survival horror to much more action oriented at least for a little spin so i didn't mean to interrupt you but go ahead no, no. Uh, I was pretty much just going to end my my little spiel with, like, the ending was one that, uh, you know, I thought was probably, probably, you know, one that maybe could have been a little bit different or a little bit better, some people might feel. But to me overall, you know, I thought it set the stage for their next entry, which, you know, clearly there's going to be a new a new iteration of the Resident Evil franchise, which is going to be super cool. Um, and I thought the way they did it was relatively tasteful if they were done with writing ethan winter's story which evidently you know spoiler alert they were um you know at least they're doing it in a way that kind of makes sense and continues the ethan winter's like bloodline which i think is is really cool because they did such a good job at setting his like you kind of got comfortable with how ethan you know how ethan thinks and behaves in resident evil 7 and to continue that through resident evil 8 again was the voice acting and stuff campy at times and a little bit, a little bit like goofy? Absolutely, but I feel like you're gonna always get that with video games. It's super hard to have like a cinematic type masterpiece video game uh, in today's day and age with voice actors. Where um, I think it takes a lot. I think you have to spend a lot of money one way or the other, and sometimes voice acting is one of the ones that might not get it as much. And you might have a voice actor who you need to get into the studio to do things and you know, you only have certain parts of the story fleshed out. So you have them read them lot, had have them read certain lines. And then you come back and say, Oh wait, we need you to do more lines. And this is how we need you to read them. And that person hasn't gotten to like, kind of see from point A to point B, how the voice, how the actor is supposed to behave. And I'm not trying to say that voice actors and video games are obviously going to be as good as like Leonardo DiCaprio or people that truly understand their characters. But I feel like as a voice actor, if you, I feel like it's almost like a situation where the game might need to be done before the voice actors are reading their lines in certain situations because it's really hard to elicit certain, like, just say, oh, say X line and act surprised. Like, mm-hmm. how's, you know, like, 
in what way am I surprised? Am I scared surprised? Am I happy surprised? Am I surprised surprised? Like that Whoa. kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing starts to creep into your mind. But that's my spiel on Resident Evil 8. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I know some people didn't. Um, but no, Resident Evil 8, certainly one of my, you know, considerations for game of the year. And I would say that this year was one for me as a player. Uh I would just like to say, like, throw this out there that I don't think there was a game in particular that I would say was so far better than others. It certainly deserved resident or like certainly deserved game of the year uh, recognition or even deserves the game of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll just put that out there and then I'll let you either bounce off that idea or we can hear your uh, hear your game. One of your games that you want to talk about. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely add a little more to Resident Evil Village. I really really thoroughly enjoyed and enjoy in general the direction that capcom is taking this franchise right now um and really that's that's both in terms of the new like new mainline entries that are because we kind of talked about this leading into resident evil village uh especially to when we're getting a lot more rumors and you know reports of uh resident evil 4 remake is you know not too far off in the future um that being an active development uh which i would imagine is probably either going to be next year i would say at the latest um obviously i don't know for sure but it seems like now that they have a solidified base with the re engine like which for can we just point out before i continue is it just fucking baffles me every time i i every time i fucking say it yeah what's up re engine doesn't stand for resident evil engine what does it stand for it's re and if you look and if you look during like the intros of gate of the games uh that are made in the re engine they show the like hand reaching for the moon it's reach for the moon re stands for reach like what why just name it Resident Evil Engine. Right. Everyone yeah. knows what you're making. <laughs> right. Exactly. And granted, the RE Engine's used, you know, it, it's used in a couple of different games now, too. But primarily, obviously, it's the technology behind um, the Resident Evil series. So but I it never bought it never ceases to amaze me since I found that out. Like, I think it was like a year or two ago. I was like, what the f- you're fucking kidding me. Right. <laughs> like, anyways, though. Yeah. So. Uh, But I really enjoy we kind of talked about this leading into Resident Evil Village that. I think they do, I really do think they have the Capcom hands the bandwidth with this franchise to really kind of check all the boxes right now where you could have your new mainline entries take this first person perspective, this much more, you know, I don't want to say tropes, but much more leaning into modern horror video games of their presentation they're, you know, and still having your survival horror roots in there, making them very much feel like Resident Evil games still, but taking new different directions. But also you can have that duality or duality of having your remakes out there, having bringing in, you know, making a Resident Evil, which granted they did already, but much more in the sense of like they're like they did with RE2 and 3 remakes of, hey, we're going to do a third person over the shoulder camera kind of like we did with Resident Evil 4, but make it much more modern experience and have those, you know, iterations come out. And, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Resident Evil 4 being next in the pipeline that being one of the best games of all time, you know, I really think that Capcom's onto something good because with this game specifically coming out, 
they really opened up kind of a can of worms for really this franchise to go in any direction. Um, Obviously, we talked about it with our review and whatnot, but I don't want to spoil anything for anybody to go and play Resident Evil Village on PC, Xbox, wherever. Um, But I really I really like that this game went in a completely different direction than I expected it to go. Um, I very much expected when you get in, this is not, this is not very, like, this is not a spoiler because it's very early in the game, but whenever you start this game and even after, you know, playing the main demo and the time demo that we had, the two time demos that were available, um, this game, uh, for many, know that this game isn't necessarily centered around, you know, Lady Demistrue. Like, a lot of people thought that going into this game, that she was the big bad, or she was very much, you know, number two in command kind of thing. Like Jack. <laughs> right, you know, like, right, exactly. You know. Where in Resident Evil 7, and spoilers for Resident Evil 7, a game that is five years old. Holy shit. A five-year-old fucking game. I, did, I almost said four. I was like, no, that's not right. <laughs> it's a fucking mm-hmm. five-year-old game. Incredible game. Go play it. But for a five-year-old game, spoilers. When you find out that, no, Jack's not the reason why the shit's going awry. It's not all, it's not, you know, the the Baker family you think. Exactly. You know, you mean it's not the guy chasing you around with a shovel trying to cut your head <laughs> off with it the whole time? You're going to lose your head. <laughs> it's not that guy? No, it isn't that guy. Um, But... And I guess maybe I should have expected that a little bit more going into Resident Evil Village, but much more of, I guess, tonally, I figured this would be focused much more on the feeling of a Resident Evil 4 in this gothic horror, much more in just the mansion alone, uh, kind of leaning into one and four vibes. But it, it really surprised me with the freshness it had, the the ability to really kind of take everything I liked about the first Resident or for not first, right? Liked about Resident Evil seven and the rebooted, I guess, if you want to call it version of Resident Evil, take that at least from a gameplay perspective and whatnot and iterate on it and improve it. Um, everything. It felt like a very natural progression forward from a gameplay perspective uh, with Resident Evil uh, in terms of their first person new iterations um it felt very natural uh but i was also very happy that they also didn't just necessarily lean into you know oh we could you know we could go this direction and keep it safe no they went out and they kind of got wacky with it uh which it's resident evil they're always gonna it's capcom and resident evil they're always gonna be fucking crazy with this game in some fashion um but there wasn't and two the one thing too that i really enjoyed there wasn't necessarily one point like you kind of brought up, Mike, that I personally, there wasn't a boat portion where, Hey, I'm being taken out of this game right now where it's boom, 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 boom. And seven where you're hitting all these major, like it, the pacing is fucking fantastic until you get to the boat. And then it just kind of is jarring, a jarring stop. This didn't necessarily feel as much like that. Uh, there's games where I kind of have hit that before, and there's actually a game on my list that I'm going to talk about soon, but where I have hit that for. Um, and it's it's very hard to kind of push through, even no matter how good of a game it is, if the pacing of the game from both a gameplay perspective and a storytelling perspective narratively kind of hit a wall. It's asking for a lot for players to kind of push through something they should be enjoy getting enjoyment out of. So... I didn't feel they really had any major hiccups along that end. 
Um, I enjoyed all the boss battles. I thought they were really interesting and really unique for the most part. Um, I love the environments that you get to visit. Uh, it really, really was a stellar game. That's why I have it number three on my list. Um, it definitely was one of the best linear experiences I had this year. So, um, Mike, I'm going to throw one out there. This was number five on my list uh, and kind of pick up on our conversation before because I have a feeling you have this game on your list as well. Uh, Valheim, that is number okay. five on my list. I figured we could talk about that now. Um, so we like I said, we kind of talked about it before a little bit with what this game means and what this game, the experiences we've gotten with it really this year. But more so... I really think it's impressive to see what this team did um, where the sales numbers were done. And it very much was, Hey, this felt like at least when we first got our hands on it, this very much felt like, okay, this is just one of, this is going to be one of those games or at least going into this game. I should say, this is going to be one of those games that is a fall guys is a among us that right now it's the flavor of the week. And this is, Hey, you know, streamers kind of jumped on this and it's got some noise behind it. But I really think that Valheim's kind of kept its, you know, the steam going with it a little bit. Like, I, I don't feel like Valheim ever really truly dropped off where it feels like it's just been really kind of a, like a steady, not, I don't want to say super rise, but at the same time, it's been, it really did kind of have a nice, consistent level player base pretty much the whole time. And we kind of talked about it before where I think, what did I say? There was, I'm going to check right now, just since we're talking about it right now, there are almost 35,000 people playing Valheim on steam. So mm -hmm. to me for a $20 video game, a game that is made in unity, which no shot at unity by any sense of the imagination. Um, but a game that has sold 5 million copies a month after its release on Steam. That to me is impressive. Um, that to me is a game that really, it's hard to really knock some of the downfalls that I think, or some of the shortcomings we kind of highlight. Um, when you know team size, you know the vision that they have behind this game or what they want to do with this game. It's really hard to kind of bash that whenever the numbers don't lie with this game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, it's to me, this is like I said, you kind of, you and Adam kind of took the reins with this one a little bit more um, than I did. I only have about 30 hours into it. I think you have around like 90 and Adam has like 300. He's, he's yeah. went far into it, but granted, he's also played a couple different servers with people. Um, but yeah, it's it, for me, this has been a fantastic kind of just a little, We'll go on, we'll kind of go on runs with it. It's one of those streaky games that we'll have, you know, fast can kind of get like that. And, but this is very much when it, this game hits, it really hits. Like when you have objectives in this game to do in terms of what you got or like what we decide to do, um, and you're working towards something, it really scratches that, that feel of like, Hey, I'm playing an open world RPG or an, or even an MMO RPG. Um, and having that communal feel of progression that you're doing with people on this, on this server that is completely yours. You know, like I said, the one big downfall I have is, um, you know, having not being able to really kind of jump into it anytime I want to, to kind of work on stuff for us. But at the end of the day, that's minor to me. 
So um, I didn't know if you had anything else you kind of want to throw in on it or not, but. About Valheim, I think uh, the biggest thing I kind of wanted to talk about was like the difficulty scaling that the game has. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh yeah, that's true. It's super interesting because to be honest, um, the, the way that they kind of mapped out the game where the meadow is a relatively easy place where you can kind of get your feet wet and it teaches you about the game. Then the black forest, it's punishing with the trolls and stuff. And it kind of teaches you like, Oh, Hey, by the way, um, you know, you might think that this area is going to be easy or whatever, but it's just, it's not going to be that way because there's things that are lurking in some of these areas that, you know, you won't be able to, you won't be able to kill or they're going to kill you really fast. And I think that the way just in general, overall, the way that they paced the difficulty on progressing through the sections was done in a really tastefully, tastefully way where you get a severe, like sense of accomplishment when you Mm -hmm. progress through the game Mm -hmm. uh and that's all all the more i really wanted to say about valheim i really loved it um if you're into crafting if you're into adventure and things of that nature um you know it's a super good uh it's a super good entry into that and i think you would uh if you've been living under a rock i think it would be a good (laughs) idea for you to maybe get involved in that game no definitely and i i i was kind of thinking about it too it really kind of, when you bring it up, oh, I feel like Minecraft, you like different things like that. Like, it really is a perfect Venn diagram for a lot of things, a lot of major community-based games that are out there right now. Um, World of Warcraft, different RP- MMORPGs, open-world games that have really kind of taken off uh, that focus around, you know, uh, crafting and things like that. Um, even, like, games like, uh, what was the one I reviewed? um uh boundless um very much kind of in a similar vein that i reviewed a couple years ago for a website um but and of course minecraft too on top of that so and we really kind of saw a break from that like the minecraft influence of stuff everyone was making minecraft clones for a long time um but people kind of moved away from that and i think that's a good way to kind of approach it of you're getting this crafting experience in this you know, focus around going and farming and building and creating this communal experience within the within the server you have. Um, and I love, too, that everything that you do in this game is procedurally generated. Um, but mm-hmm. you saying that in most open world games, you're going to find at least a lot of bigger AAA open world games. A lot of them are built around gauging, letting the player know, hey, we don't want to give you a golden path, but this is a golden path. Like, for example in the modern Assassin's Creed games. You zoom out on the map, there are different pockets of areas and different, you know, I'll just use, you know, counties or whatever you want to call them, um, areas that have level ranges on them or level brackets that, hey, this area is really confined for people who are level 30 to 35. Um, This this place, unless you're level 50 and above, don't go in here. Um, You know, so what I like about Valheim so much when it comes to the progression side that like you were saying and going into an area and you may get waxed, but it's one of those things that, okay, in that, if you think about like Vikings at that time, like, or just, you know, kind of the early forms of modern humanity going and exploring and kind of going out there, not, you know, 
none of them knew that none of them knew what you were getting into like you kind of had to go and kind of dip your toe in the water and find out and then mark it and say okay we know if we go into this area we're going to get fucking waxed but we want to explore that area over there because it looks like there could be some really really solid like rare materials that we'll need so we got to plan out our course you know correctly so i really enjoy i really think valheim hits that on the head perfectly that it really kind of leans into exploration and being rewarded or you know sometimes it like a risk or reward with that exploration but it's addictive in that sense of you want to still go out there and find more so i think they balance that really really well um so on my end kind of looking at where i want to go um well you know what how about this i'll talk about this one next because there's i'm sure another game on here that we'll talk about but my it's number four on my list uh for games of the year Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I was very critical of this game when it first was announced at E3 this this year. I, I shouldn't say very critical. I always thought gameplay looked pretty good. Um, I always thought, you know, it's coming. It's being handled by Marvel Games now and Bill Roseman and that whole crew with how they approach licensing their IP have been very, very kind of set the standard moving forward on how a lot of people, I mean, we're seeing it now, obviously, with these are all Disney properties, but Star Wars as well. On top of that, Disney licensing in general, um, you know, so we're seeing more picking and choosing and finding, hey, we want to work with this development studio. What would you guys like to make in our IP library? Like, if you could pick, what would you want? And most of the time, we're going to give you that. Um, and seeing this, I, I kind of talked about it before whenever I said, oh, oh, yeah, I finally went back and played it and over break and really enjoyed my time um i had when it first showed i did have the thing that so many people had with marvel's avengers when that was shown of oh i'm kind of having this twin peaks like these look like the people i'm so familiar with but they're not marvel studios versions of iron man hulk whoever it sounds kind of like them but they're kind of like the great value brand of them like i kind of i didn't have that with marvel's avengers but i had that with this a little bit maybe that's because from a cinematic but like being a big comic nerd, I guess I was much more open to the idea of like, OK, well, if you read comics, like you'll understand that there are like 60 different Spider-Man out there. There's 60 different Batman out there because they're all like there's runs of comics. So there could be a one off like 10 issue run of a specific Batman story that is a different technically a different Batman than what you would get in the new 52 run. Uh, so Things like that, where I was like totally cool with that with Marvel's Avengers, but with Guardians of the Galaxy, since I didn't really have that comic background with them as much, like getting into, you know, my touchstones with them, I guess, are the MCU versions of them. So I was kind of more or less on that, like, well, that's not Chris Pratt, and that's definitely not Dave Batista giving an awesome tracks, you know, impersonation or, uh, you know, rocket and well i mean nobody does nobody does Groot like vin diesel let me tell you so um but in general though i i definitely was a little more critical than i expected to be with that game at first but really as it went on and after obviously a lot of people telling me hey no this is really good and for previews we got and stuff like that i'm glad when i finally got to jump into it I definitely lessened on that because there's a lot of heart in this game. Um, something that I was really excited about uh, was that this is still very much knowing how Square Enix can be sometimes with 
trying to find ways to add financial, you know, incentives to their games, if you want to call it that, um, to, you know, in different things like multiplayer aspects. This was very much a single player narrative focused video game. And that's what I want really from Marvel right now. Um, That's what makes me adore Insomniac Spider-Man. That's what makes me really think that there is going to be no shot in hell that Insomniac can't fucking knock it out of the park with Wolverine. Like, Mm -hmm. and really what they're going to hopefully do with Star Wars moving forward, that they're working with these, you know, working with so many partners now that are, hey, we saw what it was like to let Respawn handle a single player narrative experiences from this universe that is very much built around narrative. So let's give them that. Like it's, that's what comics are all about for the best part that you're reading them to get a you know great story out of them. So I was really excited about that. Um, the story is fucking fantastic. Uh, that's obviously the strong point as many have talked about winning best narrative at game awards this year. Um, very much, you know, deserving because it was very much, a fantastic narrative. There was a lot of heart behind it. A lot of, uh, there's one part that's making the rounds on Twitter recently of, uh, people bringing it back the a moment with Drax that are saying, this is the reason why it won game of the year. Um, it, it really goes into some parts that I wasn't expecting for this group of heroes to kind of go into. So I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought the combat was great. I thought the progression system was pretty good in it. Um, the exploration was awesome. The incentive to explore, um, to get collectibles, different cosmetics. Um, of course, naturally, like I said, my touchstone for these characters are the MCU versions. So naturally I looked up how to, you know, where in what chapters and whatnot should I be focusing on to get all the MCU costumes out of it? Um, so then I could throw, you know, Dave Batista's Drax skin on Drax, uh, things like that. So, Um, But realistically, I think this game stands so much on its own um, within the Marvel lineage of stories, um, just like Insomniac Spider-Man does um, and hopefully Wolverine and, you know, hopefully what they can eventually get to with Marvel's Avengers. Um, It seems like they're turning a corner with that, too, potentially. So uh, I know you obviously didn't play this game, Mike, but I wanted to throw that out there kind of before we get into a game that I know eventually is I feel like is going to be on the list, but um yeah guardians of the galaxy man it was great um so what is your next game like uh i would say my next game for consideration uh of game of the year and this is gonna be a little bit of a weird entry because it's gonna be a little bit of a combo but it's the same game mm-hmm. so the game i'm gonna give uh an uh, a mention to in game of the year talks uh is Diablo 2 Lord of Destruction. Hell yeah. And the reason why I'm including the older version with it is because while Diablo 2 Resurrected did a lot of very good things with it, mm-hmm. um, you know, updated graphics look really good. The new skills look really good. The public test realm has just gone out where they're trying to make some changes and some tweaks to some of the skills and abilities to make more builds viable. Well, all of those things are happening during Resurrected. Obviously, kind of marred by a little bit of a uh, a, a, bl- a bad uh, mark or blemish from the labor dispute that and mm-hmm. everything else that's going on at Blizzard. So um, I give the classic D2 Resurrected, uh, the classic Diablo 2 Lord of Destruction and D2 Resurrected the nod because while D2 Resurrected is a game that came out this year, uh, I have a hard time giving remakes 
game of the year consideration, even if it's a game that I certainly spent a lot of time and really enjoyed playing. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly backed by a team that cares. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, uh, they really do care about Diablo 2. Um, they care about the experience that people get from Diablo 2 in 2021 and now 2022, which is, you know, something that is really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, the game ages like fine wine. It's a lot of fun. I still love it. Um, like I said, I know you haven't necessarily played it yet, uh, but me and Adam spent some time playing it. And at the end of the day, is it is it old Diablo 2? Absolutely, it's Diablo 2. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said... In the public test realm this week, um, they're make, trying to make some changes that make sense to breathe some new life and give some new builds some experience. So, um, you know, all that all that being said and being considered, um, that's why I have Diablo 2 and Diablo 2 Resurrected listed as, you know, in the game of the year discussion uh, myself. Um, and I don't have much more to elaborate on it because it's just, it's Diablo 2, man. Like... Anyone that's played Diablo 2 kind of understands what I'm talking about when I say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought they did a really good job and, and they were really tasteful in their efforts to make this game. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I have and it, it a... like blew War- Warcraft 3 out of the water. So <laughs> I was a little concerned after playing Warcraft 3 that yeah. Diablo 2 Resurrected wouldn't get the care, the tender love and care that it deserved. But it, it certainly got that. Oh, definitely. And that's what like <laughs> when I... Uh... When I knew how on edge you were about like this going into this game, um, but it, I've always had a I've always had a bigger touchstone to Warcraft three over Diablo two. Um, mm. But at the same time, I've played a lot of Diablo two, played a lot of Diablo one and three. Um, so I'm a big Diablo fan. I haven't dived into it this much uh, or that much. I've been kind of waiting for us to be like, hey, you know what? Let's do a playthrough um, to kind of mm. grind through um, because. I always associate playing Diablo anymore with playing co-op or playing, you know, a shared world or whatever you want to call it. Um, You mean games in 2021 come out with the co-op feature? I know. Crazy, right? How about (laughs) how about that Wendy's burn? Oh, dude, (laughs) that was actually like I'm supposed to be on a diet with my girlfriend, trying to lose some weight, trying to stay strong together. But But I might have to want some Wendy's. (laughs) Literally, I'm about to have to start go giving like Wendy's my money here. That was, you know, top top notch. Dude, I can go for a frosty with fries right now. Not even a frosty, man. I'm just thinking of like a double like the bacon double stack they do. Mm hmm. Mm, like the five dollar biggie bag dude that hands down the best value i think in fast food which for sure is bad it's not good (laughs) um so but yeah i i've been waiting to kind of dive into that head first a little bit um just for the sole fact of i like playing diablo with friends anymore um it's don't get me wrong diablo narratively is great i think you know like you said this is absolutely a love letter from blizzard uh fans and two Blizzard fans from Blizzard fans that now work at Blizzard. Um, and hopefully they're treated a lot fucking better than some have been. Um, but, you know, it's it, it really took a lot to separate the art from the artist when it comes to the shitty ones, that is. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing that the 1% shouldn't be able to ruin all the hard work and love and blood and sweat that was put into this remake, in this remaster, I should... Yeah, well, remake, yeah. Um of Diablo 2 Resurrected, that that 1% shouldn't ruin the 99s, you know, all that tender love and care that went into this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been waiting to kind of dive more into that with all of us. But 
no definitely and i think it very much deserves to be on our list of games but um so i'll bring this up because i only have one more after this and that's my that is my true game of the year that i played um but my number two is the quote-unquote complete package of halo infinite um I, as much as Halo will pain me at times, specifically Halo Infinite, as much as this experience will pain me at times, I've put in, at bare minimum, 150 hours now into mm-hmm. the game. Um, and that's primarily multiplayer, which I want to go back and play another run of single player. Um, I, it's hard to say then, I'm I'm very much in the camp of, I can't think the game is that bad if I put that mo- that amount of time into it. There must mm. have been enjoyment with that. Um, and there was. There was a lot of enjoyment. There still is a lot of enjoyment. This is a game that we, you and I, us who have been longtime Halo fans, uh, that it's Halo is in the DNA of our gaming histories. Like, you can't tell the story of our gaming histories without Halo. Specifically you, for sure. But, um definitely you know from especially a campaign side on mine for sure but halo infinite it's hard to say i I know this is a game that we kind of put for a long time that this has to be a 100 percent knock it out of the park no doubt in anybody's mind that this isn't a or that this is a great game and i think they came very close to that at the beginning um is there a lot of issues with cosmetics? Yes. Is there a lot of issues with, you know, network stability, if you want to say, even if there isn't necessarily, I don't want to even say stability, but what it's based on. Um, is there issues with the ranking system? Is there issues, you know, there are issues with this game, but a lot of them seem like they are fixable issues uh, from a lot of perspectives. Um, some, maybe not, but I still feel when I play this game, there's something great here, or there's something that could be great here. Um, it's almost like, and it's suffering from that. I don't. The reason why this is a mid, you know, a mid eight to you know a mid game, mid eight game, um, I'd say, compared to what it needed to be a nine and a half to ten game, um, is that this released in mind being so. Hey, this is a platform for you know we got a 10-year plan for this as a platform halo infinite is going to be an ever-evolving game that doesn't mean that we got to rush this game out you're free to play off the bat and we've talked about this a lot i don't want to necessarily harp on it too long but this is a game that is coming out free to play the campaign is going to be what we from what it's it's starting to become it looks like one of the worst kept secrets in gaming at least within the halo community that we're going to get multiple campaigns out of this game um, we're going to see this be, hey, almost in a similar style to Destiny of, hey, you're going to pay for campaigns for this game as it comes out, and you'll get to see more and more of um, the Zeta Halo and explore that um, or whatnot and you know push the story forward. But at the same time, too, I'm much more in the camp of, you know, you need... There's a lot of really great, you know live service titles that yeah rough to or launched a little rough but not with the problems that halo had and like you were saying it's going to be rough for them to really bounce back from that considering you have a short window to really make your stamp within 
you know, especially like the Twitch communities and things like that, uh, streamer with streamers and content creators, you really have to be able to get in, make, you know, have your, yeah, have your two weeks of just knocking it out of the water being, you know, having hundreds of thousands of people watching you at a time on Twitch, but it has to be able to maintain that steam, carry that maybe not at a hundred thousand people every single day, but Hey, 75% of that, we want to have that steam going forward. Um, and we're seeing that die off and it's, it's rough to see. So for me though, I still find a lot of enjoyment out of this game. Um, I go back to it almost every day. Um, I had a blast with campaign. I thought the story was interesting. I thought the, uh, environmental storytelling was really cool within the game. Um, finding all the different, uh, different audio logs throughout the game was really cool. I literally have only found two skulls, which is shocking. I don't know how the skulls are fucking ridiculous to find on that map. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the open world is really cool. Did the, did the gameplay loop kind of suffer a little bit at times that copy and paste, um, you know, areas that you sometimes went into once you went from not the outs, not the actual exterior of the ring, what the open world part, but when you went inside to a lot of the, I want to call them dungeons, but a lot of the encampments and things like that, like where they kind of copy and paste. Sure. But at the end of the day too, it didn't really bug me because I was having a good time. I was having fun just going in. Hey, what's over there? Oh, that's a band or that's a, I almost said panic camp. Cause that's what the, so many of these fucking things are called. Um, Oh, there's a high, uh, high, tar- high value target, uh, elite that's over there. I want to go and take him out. Uh, or, oh, there's, if I go over here and build up enough points, I'll be able to get the scorpion tank added to, uh, my arsenal of things. That I could just call in at one of the Marine camps, like things like that. It really, I really enjoyed just having fun with that sandbox. Um, me personally, that it made me want to go through and finish the game. Sure. Is there like one section that I was like, man, this is kind of dragging on a little bit. Um, yeah. But at the same time, too, you find ways to make that fun, like being able to grab the also too the fucking grappling hook, having that on an infinite, you know, quantity, being able, you know, being able to use that at whim in campaign is so fucking fun. The grappling hook in this game is hands down one of the best things I've played in, in one of the best mechanics I've used in a video game in probably the last three to five years. And I'm not exaggerating with that. I fucking adore the grappling hook. When you have the ability to, outside of multiplayer, actually fuck around with it and play with the physics of the game and like see what you could do with it. Oh my God, it's so fun. It is just so fun to see. You know what? It has that, it has that Bethesda, like Todd Howard, you see that on the map, you can go to there and you can climb to it. Like that feel of fuck. I just want to go and like, see how high I can get on the ring, like stuff like that. So I had a blast with this game overall. I'm still having fun with this game. Um, I want to, I'm like you, I want to see a lot more improvements to this game because I care about this franchise and this IP. Obviously I don't want to drag on too long because we talked about this game ad nauseum, but, um, but yeah, Halo Infinite number two on my list. Mike, you say you have one more after that. I have one more after that. All right. Uh, Again, I've talked ad nauseum about Halo Infinite. I've had good things to say. I've had bad things to say. I've had real things to say. I've had frustrating things to say. Um, Overall, the game that released, uh, was it worthy of a game of the year consideration? Absolutely. I think upon release week, release month, it had a lot of hype with it. Uh, It was a really solid game. I think a lot of people had a lot of fun with it. And that's ultimately what people are looking for when they're looking to play a Halo game. You know, they were looking for 
3-4-3 to really kind of <clears throat> capitalize on that opportunity that was there. And I think 3-4-3 did a relatively okay job at that. Um, is the support afterwards lacking? Absolutely. Obviously, it's leaving a lot to be desired, unfortunately. Um, is there a lot of things that could be better about Halo Infinite? Absolutely. But for this, you know, for all intents and purposes of this list... Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and, you know, just keep it, keep it flowery about Halo Infinite. I still have spending time on it. I guess I have like 260 active hours. Probably I have 300 hours on steam on this game already. And it's only been out, you know, a short amount of time. So, mm -hmm. um, obviously I'm still spending a shit ton of time on it. So I can't really say that many bad things. It's kind of in the same. Shout out to Mike McCarthy, almost to 500 hours in this game. Yeah. That guy's spending a little bit too much time on it, <laughs> but, um, shout out, <laughs> Shout out, but you are 100% right. If you've spent that much time playing a video game, there's no way you can really say that it's bad, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's got to be something that keeps you coming back to it. Right. So uh, that's all I'll say about Halo Infinite. And uh, my next game on the list, of course, it was a little bit earlier in 2021 when COVID was, you know, COVID's been going on forever. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, the game I kind of want to give a shout out to, and that's what this space is t typically is particularly going to be used for in this case is I want to give a shout out to um, Seven Days to Die. Recently, thank I you, Seven Days to Die. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We haven't, we haven't gotten into it as much recently since they've made a huge bunch of tweaks to the gameplay recently. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, Seven Days to Die is a game that just keeps on getting improvements. They keep on chipping away at, you know, what they need to make this game that full package because it's still technically early access. And this team is just taking the money that they're getting and spending a lot of time and effort working on it. And shout out to those guys um, because this is a game that some people let go under the radar. I think you're a little crazy if you think this game... You know, if you haven't given this game a shot yet and you like survival horror and you like looter shooters and things of that nature, I would definitely give Seven Days to Die a bit more of a look, especially now, you know, they are making a lot of good tweaks and changes to the game. So this would be a very good time for you to get involved if you haven't been yet. Uh, and that'll, uh, you know, that's kind of going to conclude my my talks. Uh, I'm curious to hear what your number one game is, though, because there's been quite a bit of buildup because there's been some really good games uh named um some people might think there have been some bad games named but i'm honestly super curious to hear what your number one is trav so it's come to this point <laughs> um yeah it, to be honest to be honest it's i don't want to say it's not i it really shouldn't be that much of a surprise um just for the sole fact of i've kind of said it throughout the year um but after you know kind of sitting down looking at Hey, all of the big things that came out this year and all the big, you know, we got Halo Infinite, Resident Evil, Guardians, Valheim, Back for Blood, Deathloop, like all these games that are on my list that I had fucking fantastic experiences with that are all helped define 2021 as a great gaming year. And this, that's only on, you know, PC and Xbox. There was stuff on PlayStation and Nintendo that I fucking, you know, loved. So a lot of people who were saying, you know, oh, 2021 was a down year, which I even said too. Eh, 2021 is kind of feeling a little dry at the same time though man 
Like when I thought about it and sat sat back and looked on it, it was a very diverse year. There was a lot of different things. Sure, there wasn't as many, you know, high budget, third person over the shoulder action adventure titles that, you know, big blog blockbuster titles like we saw, you know, maybe last year with Final, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Part Two, things like that. Um, but this year we got a lot of really diverse, great games. And it was a great year in uh, gaming. But for my number one, after looking at everything and even stacking up everything else I played since it, there really wasn't anything that knocked off it takes two as my number one game of the year. Um, when I talked about it, when Molly and I played it, um, obviously it takes two coming from Hazelight Studios, uh, the the who is led by the man, the myth, the legend, legend Joseph Ferris. Uh, you know the masterminds behind, um, you know, a way out, uh, Brothers Tales to uh, Brothers Tale Two Sons, um, and a lot of other experiences that it takes two when Molly and I played it and really kind of established what I love about Hazelight and especially to Joseph Ferris's mindset with wanting to make the co-op experience still a thing. And I always kind of thought huh, forcing a co-op experience on people like they did with, you know, a way out and brothers and stuff like that. Like I always doubt that right at the beginning. I'm like, ah, but I kind of want to play through this. Like maybe it's something that like I want to play now and don't want to, you know, cause it comes with a buddy pass. You can, as long as one person has the game, you can play it online. Like with somebody else, you just send them a code, they'll download the game, boom, you're good. Um, it's included with everything. Um, but obviously Molly and I played this couch co-op, but every every time I'll be like, man, I wish, I just kind of want to play it myself or something like that. Like if I get into it and like it, oh, I want to play it myself. But it just, those games don't do it justice because they're so designed perfectly for co-op. And this game is no exception. It's, one of the best platformers I played, I would say, in this past generation of gaming, um, it's one of the most diverse and unique platformers in terms of you're getting so many different biomes throughout the game, um, so many different objectives, so many different just experiences really throughout the game in terms of the platforming and the action that it takes with it. The story is fantastic. Um, and it's, it's kind of heavy too, for what it's being presented as, as, Hey, this, you know, lovable and, uh, whimsical at times feeling like platformer that is co-op that is built around two parents that are changed into dolls and they have to work together to, you know, change them back. Like, the narrative's pretty heavy uh, for what is... I mean, this was even a game that was put into the family game, best family game of the year category uh, at the Game Awards this year, that it's built around, you know, two parents and their daughter going through a separation and what that does to a child and that child thinking, oh, this is my fault or what am I going to do or... You know, I ruin everything and kind of, you know, even the mental health kind of around that and really the idea of do we stay together for the kids or, you know, shout out to Blink-182. Um, but it takes a lot of deeper themes and really handles them in an appropriate manner. Um, sure, there's lightheartedness to it. Um, the dialogue's great. The I, the charisma between and the karma between uh, both uh, the male and female, I can't remember their names off the top of my head, um, 
Rose is the daughter, though. Um, but um, the dynamic that they had between being able to bounce off each other, it felt very natural. Um, but yeah, man, it takes two. Nothing is topped like that experience of and Molly even said recently, she was like, I kind of want to go back and play. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> but I uh, I can't say enough great praises about this. Um, and there's a reason why it takes to one game of the year at the Game Awards this year. A lot of people were surprised. And yeah, even to an extent, I was a little bit. But when I sit down and think about that game from the polish standpoint, from the size of the studio that's handling this and Hazelight, their back catalog of experiences that they've had, this is there shouldn't be any shock to this because they took everything, especially to from a design aspect of, you know, some issues that people had with a way out in terms of, you know, the co-op end of it and, uh, you know, things like that, that a lot of people wanted a little more validation, a lot of, little more improvements with that. They kind of take through these, these almost gameplay design themes that they take from each game. That is like the through line a lot for Hazelight games. I really think they evolved that to match what a modern platformer would be. Um, and it almost is like taking, it's almost like taking, it felt like it. And I'll, I'm sure I'll get a lot of hate for saying this, it was hands down the best non-Nintendo Nintendo game I've ever played. Um, this very much felt like to no, just about the polished level of a Nintendo platformer, uh, 3D platformer, that is. You know, so, you know, granted, nothing feels as good as a Mario Odyssey does, but at the same time, too, this is damn close. Like, I, I thought it was the perfect level, perfect density level of... Sure, you had a little weightiness to you like you want in some platforms, but at the same time, you were very dense and your moves felt good that you were going through. Your jumps felt good. Um, you know, so it really and the puzzles were great. A lot of the uh, different dynamics with the gameplay mechanics that you're playing in different biomes, um, whether it's, you know, a bunch of toys that you're trying to get through, um, whether it's the big oak tree in the backyard that you're trying to make your way, you know, through these you know, little small towns that are built in them that you would think you would find if you were shrunk down to that size. So it's hands down one of the best gaming experience. I can't tell, I can't say enough, go play it. It's always on sale for the most part now. It was just on sale on Steam. I don't think it is anymore. I know it was during the winter sale and then it was another week after that. But I think, I think it might be, yeah, it's not on sale right now on Steam, but it is, or it usually is um, for the most part on sale um, but also too it's included with the EA Play so if you have uh, Game Pass Ultimate you can hop in and play it right now um, you can play it online you get a buddy pass with it um, so only one person has to own the game or have a subscription you know the su subscription for the game to play it uh, in terms of EA Play so I really can't you know, if you like experiences like co-op portal two and things like that, you're going to love this. And if you love platforming, um, and just a great narrative experience and a great, you're just going to have a smile on your face while playing this game. And that's at the end of the day, why it feels so confident that this was hands down the best game I played this year. Um, and even sometimes I'll look back and I'll be like, you know, oh, 2020 was that, you know, did I pick the right game? 2019, um, you know, I felt pretty strong about Jedi Fallen Order, but at the same time, RE2 remake came out. That game was pretty fucking good. This, I feel no, I feel like I'm going to be very, feel very good with my pick long term. 
so yeah that's my that's my games of the year um hell yes do you have any more that you want to talk about um no not necessarily i mean i feel like this is a topic that we could probably go on for days about um but i feel like we you know probably did justice to the gaming community i would think Mm -hmm. uh if not um you know it is what it is uh come talk to us about it but i think that you know we are pretty fair with our assessments and judgments today for sure come fight us in a walmart parking lot what is up with you and violence not even just anarchy but at (laughs) burn it to the ground but like at at stores listen like you're you're a big like fight me not even not even meet me at frick not even something like that but i'm talking like you're into watching youtube videos of like dollar general fist fights no 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 they're usually what they usually are okay they're arguments but they're they... arguments but because i i it's like trash tv to me like people listen there's people out there who love the bachelor and the bachelorette or they love love island or whatever fucking show you want to watch um because there's fucking tons of them on netflix now too that's my trash tv that is my like comfort like i just love i it makes me feel better about myself i'm like man at least i'm not doing that shit with my life you know it, it just it makes me feel like man at least i'm seeing the worst part of humanity now like i'm doing all right all these other people in my life they're doing all right like it, it's just i don't know why it's just it most of them too because they end up becoming like the oblivion meme that they'll put the music to <laughs> but that's mostly why or they'll be like they'll put the guards music on there too the dun, 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 dun. so but yeah i don't know why man it's just if they make me feel better i think about myself you know i don't know maybe i'll bring that up with my therapist next time <laughs> be like why am i obsessed with these fucking like dollar general fight videos why am i the way i am <laughs> why yeah wh- god if somebody can tell me that that's a million dollar <laughs> fucking question but Anyways, Mike, I guess that's going to do it for our game of the year discussion this year. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the Internet? Talk about everything we talked about today. All of our games of the year. Where can people find you to get the 411 on everything? You can find me on Twitter at T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's Toy Soldier and the second O is an X. Or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Nice, nice. And as always... I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms, including at Travelis underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelist underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me over on Xbox Live, you, you can do so at regular old Travis or Steam as well or any other platform. I'm Travelist on everything now. So you do that at just T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, no underscore. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest Game of the Year special episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop Friday mornings on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz wherever you get a podcast at, and... Follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. And Mike, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.